if we call symmetry the comfort zone, the chaos is the opposite. The comfort zone makes us feel good. We have to leave this comfort zone to open ourselves to new ideas. You are listening to The Pretzel, the Creative Mornings Munich podcast, and I am your host, Mark Lindgren. We at Creative Mornings Munich organize monthly breakfast talks covering interesting topics in the creative community and life in general. This podcast brings creative inspiration and the stories of our speakers closer to you in your ears. Today we are talking with Katja and Reda Giri, who talked about symmetry in the Creative Mornings Munich event in February 2019. The event was hosted by 80 Dots. If you weren't there, no worries. The talk was recorded and you can find it in creativemornings.com slash cities slash muc slash talks. And the link is also in our show notes. Katja and Reda are founders of Time to Travel, a startup encouraging quality travel and cultural understanding. They teach people how to travel well. The notion of symmetry plays a crucial role in this. Katja is also the host of Creative Mornings Munich. Your talk was a year ago, actually, uh, but we were living in a totally different world back then, especially when it comes to traveling. Uh, and we will talk about that a bit later. But before we go deeper into that, then um, you talked about symmetry and uh, uh, how would you define it? So maybe maybe even before we go into into the definition itself, just a quick explanation for those who may be wondering, you know, uh, how how symmetry and travel are related and why we as travelers talked about symmetry in the first place. So basically, you know, we've realized in our lives that symmetry and this notion of symmetry, uh, that it doesn't only appear in mathematics, you know, or geography, uh, not geography, sorry, geometry, um, but it actually appears in our daily lives, including in traveling. So it may sound abstract and unexpected, but uh, we'll actually get the chance, I'm pretty sure, in the talk to dig into this. Yes, definitely. So, Now, how how we define symmetry? Basically, you know, there is this first uh, very obvious definition that symmetry is uh, a state when things are made up of exactly similar parts facing each other, right? Or sometimes around an axis, both can work. So an example for this would be in nature, a butterfly. You know, the left and right parts, they are more or less symmetrically uh, facing each other. But then there is also this other definition, a bit looser uh, of symmetry. And this is actually the one that we like better because it goes beyond this geometry and geometrical illustration. And this would be that symmetry is a similarity or exact correspondence between two things. Not necessarily, you know, exactly the same thing reflected over an axis, but more kind of yeah, the similarity between two things. And this is something that we can see both in a daily life and when we travel. And for instance, a, a, an example, if we give an example of the butterfly in the first place, the second, the example for this loser definition of it 
could be a routine, you know, a daily routine that we may have, for instance. This is a symmetry between two or more days. So if you wake up in the morning, have some shower, get some coffee or things like this, and if you do this several times, repeating, this is some sort of symmetry between different days. Um, so this could be this second, a bit more loose definition of it. Yeah, we can, can give another example here. Um, also that we live daily, well, a bit less in those times of the uh, outbreak of the coronavirus, but, you know, people greeting each other. Um, so concretely, we're, here we're recording in, in Germany, people basically shake hands, well, at least used to. Um, in, in France, we have the, uh, not the French, the, the, uh, the kisses on the, on the cheeks, right? Um, and French people, actually, they, they tend to think that, well, the whole world <laughs> uses that way to, to greet people. So maybe you yourself, you experience this, meeting a French person and uh, say, oh, where are you going? Um, so reproducing that, that, that symmetry, the way it even goes in our very tiny, tiny daily, uh, daily habits, uh, like the example of, of creating people. So this similarity is simply feels familiar and we, we use it without thinking. So it sort of uh, uh, provides, uh, in a way, comfort and, uh, yeah, your familiarity, so you, you feel, like, safe with uh, symmetry. Would you say that? Yeah, exactly. Um, symmetry, in, in another perspective, if if you ask a broad question, like, what does it make us feel? Um, basically, it does make... It makes us feel good. Um, the simple explanation for for this and our attraction um, to uh, to symmetry is that it's again it's familiar symmetrical objects and images played by the rules of our brains, how they are programmed to recognize easily uh, nature is majorly symmetrical, then so is our mind, simply. Uh, it looks just so perfect, so nice, so unsurprisingly in the positive sense of the word. Um, we like simply to look at symmetry. We enjoy it and we seek symmetry. And this happens also in non uh, geometric, ge geometrical uh, object. I'll give you a short example. A couple of years ago, was um, was uh, traveling in the U.S. and I met a guy. <clears throat> excuse me, and um, and he said, "Where are you from?" I said, "Well, at the time I was coming from uh, joining from from France, representing a French company." So, "Well, I'm, I'm coming from France." I said, "Oh, great! Oh, actually, my cousin last year uh, went to Italy." <laughs> which is still a different country, different culture. But still, he did the effort of looking for, that was the closest thing uh, and similarity he found so far. And this was kind of cute. So yeah, we again, we, we seek it in our daily lives and we are familiar and, and uh, we enjoy it. Yeah, right. So at least uh, uh, the smallest uh, common denominator is trying to, to find somewhere. <laughs> so <clears throat> you said that... Uh, in in your uh, talk also that you enjoy traveling a lot so you are traveling kind of people so what, what what does traveling give to you if i can go first for me basically traveling it means uh diving deeper into other people's cultures and getting to know them better and seeing how how their lives are different or similar to the ones that i live and uh, 
basically when you travel, if you're not, you know, just doing the touristy things, when you go to the monuments and that's it, you know, or just go and lie on the beach and you don't care about anything else. If you actually try to interact with other people, it can broaden your horizon so much and you can learn so much from them. And sometimes this can be destabilizing because you may see that some people do things differently and it is not necessarily, you know, the most familiar thing ever. But maybe this makes you think a little bit uh, how you do your own things, how you lead your own lives. So very often when we dreda, when we travel, we actually try to avoid doing those you know, touristy things only, we rather try to go and talk to the local people, see how they work, how they live, uh, how many holidays a year they have, uh, what kind of food they eat, you know, what is the rhythm of their lives. And this then ultimately also makes you not just understand other cultures better, but also be more tolerant. And this is something that in this world, I would say really needs right now, you know, not just uh, having your own perception of uh, of things or ideas of how things go in the world, but actually trying to understand them, not by hearing something, but actually experiencing it on your own. Yeah, um, yeah, I cannot agree more on that. Um, and I would sum it up also in, in two words. It's basically we grew up. We're educated somewhere in this world, in our country, or if we're lucky in, in different countries. But basically, for me, traveling takes the mindset of there is a standard and the other cultures and countries and people, they are weird, or some of them could be weird. It takes us from this configuration into one where actually we are just all different. There is no standard and weird. You are just all different. And the ultimate purpose is to learn from each other, to be, as Katya said, to be a better person simply. Yeah, that's that sounds uh, quite a good, <laughs> good, <laughs> good reason to travel. Uh, but but you guys, you are not only you haven't only been traveling, but you have also been living in many different countries. Uh, you are really an international couple. So uh, let's uh, talk a little bit ab- about your background. So uh, how how did that happen? Um, so or, I think so. The the backgrounds, uh, ladies first. Katia is from uh, from Slovenia. Um, I am originally from Morocco. Um, we met in Paris, and now we're currently uh, living in Munich. And meanwhile, we have lived also in country in uh, countries like Denmark, uh, between Japan, and also in, in the U.S. Um, Katia, you want to tell us a bit more about your background? Mm-hmm. What, did you study that stuff? <laughs> Maybe this can be interesting. We rarely talk about this actually, uh, also with with our followers and communities. So I I actually studied international relations, which actually goes quite well with traveling and this whole idea of understanding the world better. Uh, I I actually wanted to become ambassador. When I was a kid, um, I wanted to represent my country and to build diplomatic relations with other other countries. Then during my studies, I reoriented this a tiny little bit towards communication. And finally, I, I started working in branding. So uh, I think I'm still, you know, an ambassador in a way, just that now uh, working for brands instead of countries. Uh, and uh, yeah. <laughs> 
and just to give also um, a bit of background from my side, um, originally I'm a mechanical engineer, so nothing to do with with traveling or um, international um, stuff. Um, but then I moved actually, um, I, I moved to, uh, to car design, so worked in automotive industry. And later on, um, I moved into international business management, and that's where uh, I was lucky enough to, to work in an international uh, broad world where I am today in, um, uh, in the automotive industry, working across Europe and Africa region. Okay, so that's uh, it's many many ways to to end up in, in the <laughs> traveling posi- <laughs> position. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, that sounds it sounds really cool. I mean, people, many people dream of of living, having a chance to live abroad and, and extended periods of time. But but I heard uh, that it's not always uh, easy necessarily. And uh, that's so that's so true. Like you know, it all sounds so easy and amazing. Um, and you know, very often when uh, when we talk to people and said that we lived in Paris, you know, the image people usually had was of us. You know. Uh, eating baguette and macaron every day and going to see the Eiffel Tower and, you know, being uh, <laughs> romantic walks along the Seine. And yes, we had all of this, of course, but the reality can also be a bit more challenging in days. You know, you need to adapt to different cultures, to different languages. You may need to adapt to different habits, you know, and as grateful as we are to have had this chance, you know, to live abroad uh people often don't see that it's actually there are also those less sexy things less sexy parts when it comes to that you know yeah one of those uh, things is basically dealing with administration because when you live somewhere you're not only visiting so uh, you have a bunch of uh, administrative stuff and paper to deal with. Our most recent experience with this is, well, here in, in Germany. Um, and to be honest, it, it was nothing but e- it was it was not easy at all, uh, especially actually with the language. So the whole system is not the easiest one. Uh, I think, Marco, also you can relate also to, to, to this. And for us, I mean, when we came here, we were already lucky because we have learned some German, but still because, you know, administration vocabulary is so complex and with German language you have some words with 37 syllables that you, you need to hold it just to understand so that was yeah a bit of, of a challenge but um, yeah it's the it's the bitter uh, part for for, uh, for a sweet adventure let's say okay let's uh, let's dig a little bit deeper into that so that uh, what I I mean you are a traveler and a tourist and then on the other hand you are living in a new country so uh, Except for the bureaucracy, what what other things make you or transfer you over to that uh, sort of that you start to feel that okay, I'm living here, not just visiting. I would say that maybe first thing is we uh, we 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 work here, right? So on the one hand, it is uh, adapting to a different working environment. So if we compare, let's say, uh, Germans and French people. You know, uh, when it comes to just working environment, and then we can talk a little bit about the personal relations as well. You know, in France, meetings usually start in a very casual way. We would spend some time doing the small talk. Sometimes as well, when when you meet with uh, with clients or or um, with partners, sometimes there is this French kiss, you know, on both cheeks, and so so the relationship is much 
more um, closer or informal, let's say. And then sometimes you would be discussing for a long while, you know, before getting to the point and so on. And then you would need a lot of follow-ups. When it comes to German culture, when it comes to working, it is much more organized. There is almost always the agenda. Uh, when you come, you know, you go almost straight to the to the point. Uh, there is not a lot of uh, small talk. So it is it is a different way of working. We're not saying that you know one is better than the other. It just it may take a little bit of time to actually adapt to this. Reda may also have uh, quite some experiences with Japan when it comes to that, you know, because it is still, you could you could still say that France and Germany are closer in a way when it comes to, to this, but uh, Japan is still a whole nother level. I don't know, Reda, if you want to add anything to that. Um, yeah, what, what you said is totally accurate that uh, German and Japanese mentality are so far geographically, but so close, you know, the, the discipline, the, the rigor. Um, but then Japan also have their, their specifics um, opposite to what people would would think that it's actually not the most. Uh, it takes so much time, for example, to make, to make decisions because they have this Nimawashi concept, for instance, without going outside of the topic. But basically, they need the agreement and to every, everyone to be involved before making a decision. But once they hit that decision, it's done. There is no re decision or decision review we, I, I lived personally this in france like i had decision review meeting number one number two number three which doesn't make sense because the word decision means okay we, we hit the road jack <laughs> yeah that kind of uh, com communal uh, decision making process also in in sweden quite quite often they they like to discuss endlessly discuss and for us Finns, it, it seems like why are you just talking why aren't you doing anything <laughs> but that's, that's, that's again like a different way of doing it. So this is, you know, the working part. But then also when it comes to more personal relations and, and so on, uh, in, in different cultures, people may be may act very differently to 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 things or to daily situations. You know, um, some people are more tactile. You know, Latinos uh, they're much more relaxed when when you meet them. Also, when you travel, when you talk to them, the whole the whole conversation may go in a very more personal way or you know being very much relaxed with things and in some other cultures you know it may be much more uh how to say dry you know really sticking to the basics uh, providing the information but not really going beyond that so it's interesting to see sometimes as well we may be surprised when we travel we may have some ideas in our heads how we expect people to be and then we actually find them to be a little bit different in, in, in any kind of ways. So this is also what we're uh, usually encouraging people to do when they travel. You know, yes, we all have some sort of expectations. And yes, we do some research before leaving to, to, for a trip. But at the same time, it's really good to kind of try and forget all those things that we may have heard somewhere from someone and actually leave space to create our own experience you know, so that we let ourselves be surprised as well. Yeah. Okay. But th that actually brings up, us back to the uh, to the title uh, theme, the symmetry, and uh, and uh, so why the uh, why the symmetry is an important uh, concept in 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 this kind of a traveling uh, context. Yes, sim simply because um, we are human beings. We grew up. We received some 
kind of um, education that would form our personality and our habits with it, the way we behave, the way we expect the others to behave, back to the example of just greeting each other. So let's say we, uh, if we consider the global European Occidental mindset, we, we have our own ways of just creating people. My first experience, for example, going to, to Japan, I, I had actually dedicated three days training how to work with Japanese culture. So of course, it's it's. Um, I'm giving an example from work environment, but it could be applied, you know, at, at the end, it's human relationship, all right? It's just the context that changes. Um, so one of the things is that you should, of course, they have a different ways of greeting each other. We we bow, and the the lower you bow, the more respect you show. And well, here in Europe, it would be considered totally different. <laughs> it could be maybe considered as submission or, or whatever. So the idea is that. So to sum it up, the bottom line is that we needed to learn and create some kind of symmetry to that place I'm going to. And to know that my way, I mean, I, I still, of course, I'll, even after that training, I went there and they had the reflex to give my hand to someone and they saw in the person's eye, like, what are you doing? Um, and they were like, oh, excuse me, I'm just, <laughs> konnichiwa. And um, <laughs> so, so, so basically this is just one single teeny tiny example and we could have th thousands. So basically it's um, creating and putting ourselves into, we're going to some place where they have another set of habits, another culture, another background in terms of education. So to enjoy, to understand first and to enjoy that place to the fullest and even to succeed in the communication. You know, once again, I give example from business and uh, work area. Um, if you have some business purposes, literally we could screw up some relations if we misbehave, if we act in a way that is totally normal to us, but for them, it could be even insulting or, or impolite. So it's a key word to a key point to the human relationship, of course, in the this environment, also in in simple uh, human relationship, which could be just uh, through casual traveling as well. Maybe add to add to this uh, casual traveling. You know, when we talk about symmetry and traveling, so our idea is that if you want to enjoy a place to the fullest and to feel the culture and to to feel the people. You need to understand and embrace the way they live, not to expect them to behave according to our own expectations or standards, right? So, you know, sometimes we would go, let's say last year we were in, in Mexico, in, in, in the Yucatan, and some people there, some tourists, they were complaining about Wi-Fi network being super weak and about hot shower pressure that was not that strong, Right. And we wanted to tell them, dude, you're in the middle of the Caribbean jungle. You have drinkable water and you can drink it and you can shower. Be grateful for that and stop complaining about the, you know, the shower pressure not to be that strong. Right. So sometimes when we go, when we travel from our situation, we expect the same standards everywhere and we forget that it the country maybe or the location where we that we are visiting is not necessarily you know exactly the same place where we are so instead of being ignorant and being then 
you know, angry or unhappy or, you know, we encourage people to actually think of the context that they're in, understanding why a certain situation is this way. And this is why we're putting so much effort in on the one hand, not only acting according to the symmetry, you know, our expectations, trying to reflect what we know to something that is unknown to us. And then at the same time, doing research and understanding, you know, not just saying, okay, I want to go here and there and I want to have this kind of experience, but actually really understanding and embracing the way people live, act, uh, you know, in a certain culture that you're visiting. Because otherwise, what good can come out of this? You know, you can just be frustrated. You can just have this bad experience. You may be complaining about the, you know, how clean something is or not, how good something is or not, how amazing or not good the food is. You know, there are so many, there are so many things that you can complain about. Whereas if you just accepted them the way they were, embraced them and tried to, you know, understand it. We don't say you need to love everything you you experience and see and that every food you try, it should be amazing, right? No, do have your own opinion and person like perception, but do have an open mind and see, you know, if, if, if this can be different from your standards, but it, it can still be something that you may enjoy. Yeah. So basically you should be ready to readjust your own symmetry. To- exactly match the environment rather than demanding the environment and you know what is interesting is that when we talk about symmetry is that the asymmetry in a nature is very often perceived as dangerous this was you know the way how this is the way how nature is done if something is nice and beautiful and well arranged it doesn't make too too it doesn't make it too hard for our brain to understand and if something is off if something doesn't feel right this in the nature is the sign of, of danger. And this is something that also happens when we travel. If you travel somewhere and you experience something that is very different from what you've expected, your whole body, your mind is screaming for red alert, red alert. This is dangerous. This is something I don't know because we also feel uncomfortable. Sometimes we just don't know how to act, right? So this is the way when we say you need to do research, you need to prepare Or you just need to say, okay, yes, it is different from what I know. How can I act? How can I leave this situation right now? We're not saying by no means that everyone should go to dangerous places and dangerous situations, you know, and embrace this asymmetry to the fullest. Of course, like you have to be careful. You have to do your research. But a little bit of this is going to make sure that your brain is going to scream, this is not good. But we need to make sure that we counteract it and we actually try and see how this can, uh, how we can still enjoy it and learn something from it. Uh, yeah. Um, the, uh, well, then after the asymmetry, I guess the next step would be chaos. Um, so how, how, how would you define that? At which point do we uh, move from asymmetry to chaos, like in, 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 in that emotional level. Well, we could say, you know, that if we call symmetry, the comfort zone, the chaos is the opposite. You know, the unknown is the, is, is the chaos. So let's say, you know, that the comfort zone makes us feel good. You know, on the other hand, we have to leave this comfort zone to open ourselves to new ideas and to have new learnings. So being outside of the comfort zone may seem a complete chaos to us, but 
it is a great chaos. It can be a great one and it can, it can be a very necessary one as well to, to, to be creative or, you know, to step back away from our habits so that we also learn about ourselves and about others, you know, to be more respectful, to be, to learn, to be more tolerant, to be more creative. So this chaos may seem very, you know, chaotic, but the, the art is the way how we make ourselves comfortable in this and how we can actually find in a way some sort of symmetry in the chaos as well. Because it's not that when you're in chaos, it, it's, it's all just chaotic, you know. And there as well, you may think of all the other experiences you have had in the past and see if you can still create some sort of symmetry within this chaos, right? So a small symmetry islands in the middle of the chaos mm -hmm. sea. <laughs> that's I think I think that's the most beautiful metaphor I've ever heard between the chaos and symmetry. Well done, Marco. I just totally love it actually. Um yeah. While I was saying that, um I was picturing some kind of it could be daily or weekly, yearly habit is basically as Katya said, chaos is not very pleasant, but also it's a um, learning opportunity. We are facing things we're not used to. So we need to figure out how to sort things out, how to resolve it. But then at some point, and maybe you can relate to this, we're very happy to go back to our symmetry island, <laughs> as, you, as you call it. Um, a very concrete example that's um, I think we, we all lived at least once is when we go to a um, very different country or region, all right, for a week or two or more. Um, and then we go back home. There is still a part of it that is very happy to go back to that symmetry, to that comfort zone, or even a, 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 a souvenir I have, not a souvenir, but a memory I have from my first trip to Japan. It was uh, like six weeks, and uh, I, I loved it so much, the food, the culture, etc. But then after, I think, four weeks, I was very happy to have a pizza. And I mean, I love the Japanese food, but just having that pizza meant the world to me at that moment. To be honest, it wasn't the best. <laughs> it's, Tokyo is not very known for Italian food, uh, but but still, that was for me like okay, oh, I'm back to my little island, happy. <laughs> Great. Uh, you also have a startup called Time to Travel. Um, can you tell a little bit more about that? Sure. <clears throat> so. We at Time to Travel, um, it's a, it's a it's a tiny business that we started um, about a year ago, and basically we we encourage people to travel in a more mindful and also sustainable way. So we encourage them a little bit what we already touched upon, not to be tourists but to be travelers, to get to know the local cultures, to broaden their horizons. And as well, at the same time, to, to prepare for their trips accordingly. Those who follow us on Instagram, they know that I hate planning and Reda loves it. <laughs> but what we did was that it, because I, I don't enjoy planning that much, I love traveling. It's just the planning part that I don't like. We actually had this idea, okay, let's create a travel planner 
that I'm going to enjoy. And so we, we actually created a product that we call the Ultimate Travel Planner. And this is a book that joins three things in one. So on the one hand, there is the travel planning, but there, there, it's really the basic things that you do have to plan. It's not, you know, going in all different details that may be unnecessary. It's really, if you need to plan the minimum, those are the things you should plan. So travel planning on the one hand, then there is travel journaling on the other hand. It's also a very important part because very often we experience so many things when we travel and, you know, we take a lot of pictures and so, but then when we get back with time, we actually forget a lot of mini tiny things that we have lived or, you know, this beautiful event that happened or someone who said something, you know, and if we write those down, this all memories may live much longer. So on the one hand, in the book, there is the travel planning, there is travel journaling, and there is as well a couple, quite a lot of trips for a more mindful and sustainable traveling. So we give trips for, uh, tips for uh, how to be a more sustainable traveler, but we also give tips on what to do when something goes wrong. You know, those are things that very often people just don't consider you know, in the best of cases, they would take a travel insurance before leaving, but they wouldn't really write down, I don't know, a, a phone number of the of their embassy in the country where they're traveling to. And luckily, hopefully, you know, not, nothing ever happens. But if it does, it's really good to have a minimum uh, preparation ready. So basically, we joined those three things in one into one book. And the thing is that we haven't found anything similar on the market. So then we just said to ourselves, you know what? Let's just create it. So it's called the Ultimate Travel Planner. And uh, the feedback so far has been really great. People who, travelers who use it, have gotten back to us with such beautiful reviews that it really warms up our, our hearts, you know, because we see that it, it's not just helping us to travel in a better way. It also helps others. So it's it, we're very grateful for that. What about if listeners want to find your book or uh, get in touch with you, uh, how, how can they do that? Uh, we are very, um, active on Instagram, so they can follow us on Instagram with, uh, at time to travel. So basically we didn't even say, um, how, how we got about this name. So time, the company is called time to travel. Uh, and basically it's to travel well. It's a mixture between travel well, travel. And um, yeah, so um, we're very active on Instagram. Uh, you can find us at time to travel. Uh, we love connecting with our audiences there. Um, we chat with them. Uh, we exchange tips or just sometimes we get to know each other, which is uh, quite beautiful in this digital world uh, to have connections like this. And then, of course, we have our webpage, uh, time to travel.com. Uh, where our ideology, our story, but then as well, our products can be found. Great. I will add these to the uh, our show notes so that they at, they will be found there also. Okay. Great. Uh, then, um, then about the current situation and traveling. So coronavirus, uh, it's a, it has changed the travel traveling opportunities and possibilities dramatically, uh, at least in the uh, for the foreseeable few months. What do you think? Uh, will will people change their behavior permanently, or or will will this traveling uh, recover and uh, people will go out and learn about new cultures again? Um, from our side and our perspective, 
we are actually very positive that they will. Um, but when they do, we hope that we'll all travel a bit more in a more sustainable way. Um, right now, actually, uh, as a matter of fact, the world is doing pretty good. Now we don't fly right in this in this period, so the CO2 emissions are maybe the lowest they have been for for decades. The quality of air is is much better. Um, we have to make an effort all together to keep those trends alive as much as we can when we have to go back to normal. Um, basically, it's not about the mass of traveling. So many people would in the, in, in the past go somewhere to the, to the other side of the world and spend very little time not really feeling the play just for the picture to have that on Instagram and to have comments and likes and it's so much superficial and even you know polluting the the places the core the coral reefs uh, in the last uh, 50 years have been reduced to 50 percent there was just 50 percent left so many um, beaches at areas for example in Thailand Philippines have been closed luckily because of that um, so to sum up, we attempt to travel. We actually encourage travelers to take this time right now to plan their trips better in a more sustainable way and more mindful and to see how they could reduce their footprint while still enjoying the travels. That's a that's good advice. Uh, and uh, I hope that... Uh... This will uh, ch change to the better when once once we get back to the uh, new new normal. Then, but then Katya, you are uh, also an essential essential part of the Creative Mornings Munich. You are the uh, the leader, the host of the organization here. How, how did it feel when you took the stand uh, and uh, were in front of the audience instead of like organizing in the in the in the uh, back 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 room? It was a whole new experience, you know, being the speaker and not being the the one, you know, uh, greeting people and uh, making sure that they're good before they go on stage. Um, but at the same time, it was it was so amazing. It is so amazing to 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 trust my team so well, uh, you know, that I can see that they can jump in any at any time uh, in any kind of role that is needed so i'm i'm super grateful to have such an amazing team uh, so yes it was different but it, it felt really good and i felt it in in a really good situation because i knew that the team had my back <laughs> great and then now the last question before i let you you guys go so we ask uh, of our every guest this same question that what does creativity mean to you and uh, who wants to start? Um, yeah, for me, simply uh, creativity is to see things from from other perspectives. Um, like, for example, when we travel, right? Not to mention it again. Uh, when we travel, we are out of our usual bubble, so it opens our mind. And this actually stimulates forming original ideas and creative ones. 
I couldn't have said it better, I think. Uh, and maybe if I link it back to the symmetry and chaos one last time, uh, you know, creativity happens in the chaos. And as beautiful as symmetry is, we often have to look outside our comfort zone, outside this world that we already know, outside things that we are used to, for new, different ideas to come and to arise. If you like what you've heard and want to help out the podcast, please go to the Apple Podcast or to your favorite podcast provider and leave us a rating and a review. We will be so grateful. Our thanks to Katja and Reda and everyone at the Creative Mornings Munich team. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mark Lindgren, at Huima Production. Our jingle was made by Sasha Ende. Follow us on Twitter at Munich underscore CM and Facebook at CMMUC. Use hashtag The Pretzel Podcast when you tweet about us.